Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the Mr. Beacon podcast. It's not often that we get to talk to other companies pioneering ambient IoT, uh, the... the uh, low battery, no battery uh, technology that uh, we see connecting every single thing and changing the way products are made, distributed, sold, uh, used, reused, and recycled. Um, But that's what we're going to be doing today. I'm going to be talking to the founder of Hyla, Charlotte Savage. She is going to tell us a bit about their approach uh, to Ambient, Hyla is one of the participants in the standards activity around uh, Ambient IoT. A particular branch that her company is focused on is Wi-Fi. Um, And so you'll hear more about that activity, um, more about what her company is doing, uh, the use cases. And um, both of us will get pretty passionate about the... uh, uh, regenerative, sustainable applications for for this technology. But there's also, I think, um, some really uh, interesting technical uh, business and market observations as well. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. The Mr. Beacon Ambient IoT podcast is sponsored by Williot, bringing intelligence to every single thing. Okay, Charlotte, um, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on the, the Mr. Beacon podcast. Well, it's great to be here, Steve. I've been a big fan of Mr. Beacon for, for a few years now, so it's such an honor to be here. Well, we uh, we met, I think it was at CES, wasn't it, in uh, Las Vegas, and I got to see your technology, and months have gone by, and we've been meaning to uh, record this conversation. Um, so tell us uh, a bit about the, the company that you founded. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so Hyla Technologies, we founded August 2017. We are an ultra-low power communication platform. Um, and our goal is to enable battery-free sensing for IoT sensors. And uh, essentially what we do is that we use existing infrastructure in our environment and piggyback off that to eliminate the power consumed at the radio down to next to nothing. So you can imagine a standard Radio protocol creates a signal at the wireless device and sends out that information. What we do is that we actually uh, jump on top of existing signals in your environment. So you can imagine at 802.11 standard Wi-Fi signals going back, uh, you know, in your apartment, for example, right now. And instead of, you know, adding to that traffic and having, you know, your temperature humidity sensor that connects to your smart thermostat, 
uh, instead of creating signals, what we do is we just piggyback on top of existing signals. Uh, the original term actually coined was called hitchhiking. And um, so that's essentially what, what we're doing right now. I can't believe it because, I mean, six years is a long time. Uh, Williot, the, the company I work for, we're both in the same kind of uh, space. Uh, and I've never used the hitchhiking metaphor. I can't believe it. I can't believe that uh, uh, it's been this long. I love it. Um, so uh, you're focused, um, uh, or at least initially, on Wi-Fi. Um, and uh, um, so that's interesting. Um, our our uh, William's been focused on the on the Bluetooth area. Um, how do you how do you do what you do? So uh, I, I think. Obviously, I think it totally makes sense to um, uh, tap into all of the radio waves that are surrounding us. Uh, it's it's more sustainable, less uh, less need for for batteries, lower power consumption. Um, but um, uh, it, it's it sounds sounds tricky. Give us uh, give us a sense of what you do because you're you're using something called backscatter. Which I actually don't think we've really explained, uh, certainly not recently on this podcast. So it'd be great if you could. Yeah, definitely. So Backscatter is the foundational technology for RFID, which everyone knows that works all around the world. You know, um, in in basically shipped in the billions. So it's basically been been tried and and proven in that space. What we're doing is that we're adapting it to Wi-Fi first. So instead of having extremely expensive RFID readers. We are actually leveraging your existing Wi-Fi infrastructure to read your, you know, our hopefully battery-free sensors in the future. Um, so our technology relies on existing infrastructure, and that's where passive backscatter really, um, you know, comes into play. So what we do essentially, maybe I can take you through our products. Um, we are yeah. a semiconductor company, both on the software side and the hardware side. So our first ever product, our first ever chip that we taped out. Um, was put into this little demo kit over here. So you can see that it's, you know, quite bulky, um, about the size of a credit card, a couple inches thick. And here we have our first ever ASIC, so application-specific integrated circuit chip right over here, um, that black little square. And everything else is run on FPGA field programmable gate array. Uh, this is essentially to prove our concept and uh, to prove that we can actually suspend disbelief and that this works over Wi-Fi. So uh, you talked about taping out. Uh, you, I, of course. Did my job for me explaining the other acronyms, but uh, what does tape out mean? So taping out means actually uh, producing silicon. So um, that's having a chip, which is a, you know, a, a more likelihood form factor for commercialization where customers can int integrate that into their existing sensors, for example. Um, so taping out is a well-known nomenclature in the semiconductor space for uh, actually having your silicon. Wonderful. Thank you. I, I, I didn't mean to interrupt your flow. So you showed us version one, which um, is smaller than the average Wi-Fi device, but I, I suspect you're going to show us something even smaller. Well, our goal, like like we we talked about, I think Williot has the same vision, is to eliminate batteries from these types of sensors. Um, you know, we can talk about the whole landfill problem in the future and why, you know, this power consumption bottleneck is really affecting both IoT growth. It's both affecting uh, the sustainability factor of IoT and much more. Um, so our second product that we have over here, um, we have our second chip there. So you can see, once again, 180 nanometer uh, silicon. And this is really exciting. So we had our second chip taped out. 
uh, fresh out of the labs, actually last week, we brought it to Sensors Converge in California to showcase okay. it for the first time. Um, and the goal is to, one, decrease the form factor and to, you know, prove out this technology again. So we've done that. We have both our digital and uh, RF front end on our chip, which means we got to eliminate the big clunky FPGA that I mentioned prior and the big battery on the back. This will uh, run off a coin cell CR2032 uh, for about two years. Um, and this is still a prototype version that we have uh, since our first, you know, digital and uh, analog um, chip that we have. So the standard, the golden standard for Wi-Fi communication in the space right now is 263 days running off a coin cell CR2032. And already with our prototype, um, we have that beat in terms of power consumption, like I mentioned, two years. The next version of our chip that will be coming out in about 18 months, uh, we're looking at 20 to 40 years of battery life on a coin cell CR2032. I am cognizant that these type of batteries degrade over time and don't even last 20 to 40 years. But the point is, is to prove that we can really drive the power consumption floor for communication down so low um, that, you know, these sensors can be embedded within walls, uh, embedded within flooring materials, uh, embedded, you know, within bodies as well um, to be able to, to last that certain amount of time. And the goal after that actually is to have a... Um, a completely battery-free solution harvesting off of RF energy, which means you can imagine in a world that you have Wi-Fi infrastructure already, we're piggybacking on top of it, and at the same time, we're also harvesting. There's a lot of solutions out there right now that require um, gateways, right? That require gateways to flood the area with energy, just like RFID is using. And there's also a lot of technologies out there that have ultra-low power communication platforms, but they as well are proprietary and take gateways. Our goal is to use the existing infrastructure because I believe that's the way that we're really going to scale this type of technology is by partnering with the Wi-Fi equipment makers and and using what is already there uh, to our advantage. And, you know, Wi-Fi is very ubiquitous. You know, I believe that Wi-Fi's trend will continue going in the right direction and it should be the golden standard for indoor communication. Um, so that's a little bit about, you know, our products and, and why we, we chose Wi-Fi. Um, what kind of range are you getting with this um, uh, Gen 2 product? So that's a great question. So with our Gen 2 product, we haven't completely characterized the range, but we're looking at, a, you know, room coverage. So around, you know, 500 square feet. Our goal with the next one is to get full floor coverage. And we actually have a path to have 3,000 uh, square feet uh, coverage in a standard, you know, American Canadian home with three floors. Um, and But that's leveraging the existing uh, Wi-Fi access points and potentially other powered Wi-Fi devices. Very good. It can make sense to talk about um, 802.11 AMP uh, study group that's happening right now with yeah. IEEE because that has a big factor in uh, getting this full coverage. So um, this, is, this, this new study group has, actually has been going on for the past year. I'm really grateful because our chief scientist, Vitas Kezis, who participated in uh, BlackBerry's first ever Wi-Fi uh, smartphone, he is representing Hyla at the 802.11 AMP study group. And it's been such an amazing process to see um, this entire organization focusing on the importance of ambient-powered IoT. Uh, so that's been really incredible to watch that progress. And I know that Williot and Hyla both have you know, showcased our demos there, suspending disbelief and really trying to push this within the standards to be able to Put a few things um, in the protocol, put a few things in 802.11 AMP to help 
uh, increased coverage, for example, for backscatters such as joint transmission, beam forming, uh, etc. Yeah, I'm glad that you uh, brought up that new um, Wi-Fi 802.11AMP uh, or ambient power uh, uh, activity that's going on. And as you said, we're both active uh, in that. And I think it's kind of a, there's a parallel activity going on in 3GPP, the third generation partnership, which is the uh, organization that is driving uh, the 5G advanced and 6G uh, standards. Um, and uh, we're actually hearing rumbles for other um, uh, uh, secondary uh, wireless protocols that they're starting to work on ambient um, standards as well. So it's very exciting. Um, and I think, uh, you know, there's some, we're dancing with giants here. Uh, uh, you know, we, uh, the, the work that, um, Williams doing over in, in parallel in the 3GPP group, the folks contributing to those standards are companies like uh, Apple and uh, Qualcomm and uh, Huawei and, um, you know, Williams very active. And um, I think both you, your company and ours get an outsized influence relative to the number of people we have in our company uh, because we have working solutions, and so we're able to prove that these concepts can actually be achieved, and that's just so helpful. When in standards, you know, when when I first when we first heard that um, that that it was realistic that there would be open standards for ambient power, I'm like. Oh, we're just going to get steamrolled. But I think, um, and and or you know, worse, uh, it just will end up with something that doesn't work because you know everyone's got an opinion on the right thing to do. Uh, but fortunately, there are companies that um, like yours and uh, like ours that have got um, got working uh, products and uh, customers and that sort of thing. So uh, that really helps uh, to focus the debate in in more. Uh, constructive ways. And I think the opportunity for addressing some of the world's biggest problems, um, I'm not saying this is a panacea, but certainly there's a lot of amazing applications for this technology. So maybe we should, unless there's anything more that you want to say on the standards activity, we can start to talk about the applications. Yeah, definitely. Maybe a little note. I, I think that it's so amazing, you know, that Williot and both Hyla are, are working on this. And I and I think that, you know, Bluetooth has such a space in the personal area network. And, and I don't think that that's going anywhere. I remember the day that um, the press release came out that Williot raised $200 million from Amazon, SoftBank, Avery Dennison. That was such a big moment for me. A lot of people were like, aren't you afraid? I'm like, no, like, this is amazing. I believe that we have to be collaborators and enablers to get this technology out there because, the golden standard is not good enough right now. And I think that it's so important to have, you know, the startups that are focusing on the innovative technology for, you know, low, ultra low power communication. So I'm just glad to, to be here and, and talking about these really important subjects. Yeah, I mean, you guys have been going for a long time in startup years. You, you've been going a long time. So you're obviously doing some things uh, right. Um, uh what are the what's the sweet spot for applying this uh, technology that that you're working on? I think that's kind of a two tiered answer. Um, the first sweet spot I feel like is uh, you know really replacing 
uh, the existing standard for ultra-low power communication and uh, being able to eliminate batteries and existing sensors that are already out there. Um, I think that we know that, you know, all of these different types of uh, statistics that have been out there about, you know, 100 million batteries will have to be replaced every single day in, you know, 10 to 15 years from now. And I know there's a lot of statistics that are way worse than that, but I chose a conservative one because I'm Canadian and that's how we do. Um, but I think that's terrifying. And I think that there's it's so important to have sensors, especially with uh, current events that are happening around the world. For example, the wildfires in Quebec and being able to have air quality sensors that show us, you know, OK, now you have to close the doors like we don't want these, uh, you know, particulate matters that are stuck in our, in our lungs and our airways. Um, that's just one really great example. So eliminating batteries from sensors that exist already. Oh, great. Number two is enabling all these two new types of applications with battery-free sensors, like embedding them within walls. I think I mentioned before, embedding them in rooftops to detect smoldering fires, the potential for smoldering fires, to detect mold, to detect humidity, um, even to have sensors on your personal area network that are monitoring your health um, so that you don't have to have, you know, right now there's a lot of duty cycling, so you're missing a lot of really valuable data. So continuous monitoring without needing batteries, this is really important. And I feel like you know, even for HVAC systems, you know, building automation is a really huge sweet spot for Hyla. We realized, you know, I started off in the med tech space. I love this technology for medical implantables, for medical wearables. Um, that was a long path to market. I started realizing that building automation, they were hungry for this type of technology. They started buying prototypes from us. Uh, we started engaging with them very early on and being able to um, really optimize energy spent in a smart building or even, you know, retrofitting older buildings. There's way more potential there in eliminating wasted energy. And I think that's a really important um, place for, you know, battery-free sensors to live, to really automate, you know, how much are we creating in pollution? And then there's the whole other world. So that's the sweet spot for Hyla. But I know the sweet spot for Williet and also, you know, potentially a future sweet spot for Hyla is really um, making sure to create uh, accountability in corporations and consumables, making sure that you're tracking everything that a corporation is creating as a product, um, having these sensors in it, just like Williot is doing, making sure that we know that the entire accountability chain um, is, is known, right? How are these landfills getting filled up? How are they almost at capacity um, in North America, in Canada? You know, I was doing some research this morning and for U.S. landfills, Seven states are running out of landfill space in five years, one state in 10 years, three states in 20 years. So, you know, in 22 states, they have a few decades left. So, you know, nine out of 38 sites are full by 2030, you know, 13 others full by 2041. This is insane. And even in my hometown of Montreal, we're looking at, you know, really awful landfill problems to reach capacity as well. And I don't understand how we're creating this problem for future generations, you know? And so I see that this technology really, really can can live well within our society to help improve us and not be this generation of pollution that I think that we will be known to be for, you know, centuries to come. Yeah, I, I hear, hear, I agree with uh, uh, the, the sentiments of what, you, what you've said there. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Um, I'm actually hoping to get another guest on this uh, show fairly see- soon who's written some incredible books uh, on, uh, uh, on, on the subject of uh, uh, climate and, and carbon. Um, uh, and it's been very interesting. We've had the privilege to have just a preliminary conversation with, with him. It's uh, pretty amazing that you get to read a book, you love it, and then you get to have a conversation with the author. So I'm hoping that we can persuade him to uh, talk in the show. But his name's Mike Berners-Lee, Professor Mike Berners-Lee. And if anyone uh, kind of wants some help in getting through um, the the FUD uh, and 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 reading some incredibly intelligent, um, scientific, but also human, funny um, uh, perspectives on uh, on climate, then I recommend his books. And there's two. There's one that's called How Bad's a Banana, uh, which uh, uh, that was the title for the British market. In the America's market, it's uh, um, the uh, it's the, cli- uh, the carbon footprint of, uh, of everything. And the premise is um, uh, that we're kind of generally fairly illiterate in terms of what the carbon footprint of things is. Um, uh, and so, turns out bananas are actually good, um, but uh, there are other things <laughs> that uh, you wouldn't know it are bad, and uh, that's why it's worth reading uh, uh, the book. Um, but there's another one that I just finished. I finished it in three days, which is uh, uh, called uh, There Is No Planet B, as in there's no plan B, there is no planet B. And it's uh, uh, basically, he exercises some opinions, some recommendations on uh, what we can do. And uh, basically, I ended up uh, cycling to, to, to work, not every day, uh, because it doesn't, it's not practical for me to do it every day. But I bought an electric bike, and I'm now doing that because that was one of his, <laughs> his recommendations, changing my diet, all sorts of things. So anyway, I'm sorry to drift away from uh, uh, what, uh, what we were, were, were talking about. But clearly, uh, you know, I think one of the golden applications for ambient IoT is empowering consumers to know where their food comes from. It's one of the biggest things we can do to uh, make a difference. Um, uh, we we recently hired uh, our VP of Climate, Anthony Yusefian. Uh, he likes to say we can eat our we can eat our way out of climate change. It's probably not just eating the right things. Um, but if we can eat food that does uh, has been grown in farms that are actually capturing carbon rather than uh, throwing it into the atmosphere, it can make a huge difference. And it turns out when you do that, you end up uh, uh, eating food that's really good for you and tastes better. So, um, But how do you know where it's come from? And I think Ambient IoT uh, can give people you know, the full story of 
what how their where their foods come from how it's been treated what the carbon footprint is uh, uh how the land and animals were, were were treated and all that sort of thing so back to, I, back I, to you I, I totally agree Steve. yeah no i i totally agree and i and i really love this topic because i think regenerative farming is really important and also um indoor farming uh, at warehouses and city centers um you know we've spoken a lot to uh you know indoor farming folks and the importance of having sensors you know a lot of them right now they still wire up all of their sensors because you know they don't really have any ultra low power wireless solutions and you know a lot of the prospective clients and partners that we have right now you know b is the bad word we we don't talk about batteries you know because no one wants to deal with you know you have a sustainable company you have a company that you care about the environment you're trying to capture carbon and then you have to have batteries and sensors you know, to to create a better yield, to, you know, to monitor the products that you're making. And it really is counterintuitive to what we're all trying to do. Um, so I think that that's really amazing, both on, you know, the accountability chain that we mentioned about where your food's coming from, what the temperature is, you know, how is it cared for along the entire process? You know, who's involved in that? Um, are people being paid appropriately along that line too? And also just, you know, Transportation is one of the biggest pollution aspects too, and and keeping it close, right? Keeping it local, and I think that that's really important. And you know, some of the the smart farming uh, applications that we looked at, you know, there there already there's Wi-Fi that exists already. You know, you can imagine they want sensors below the leaf, on top of the leaf, measuring, uh, you know, uh, circulation, measuring humidity, measuring uh, temperature. Um, so all these things are, are really important to have an optimal yield at the same time. So they're not creating waste too. you know, having pests come in and you don't catch them fast enough. So they've basically, you know, proliferated to the entire floor of tomatoes that you're growing, for example. So I think that there's so many applications that we could we could spend days talking about the importance of battery free sensing and, and what that enables for the consumer, for the corporation and for the planet as a whole and the benefits that it could bring to us. Amazing. So, Charlotte, how did you end up starting your company? Tell us the founding story. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you, you know, so I studied engineering here in Montreal, Concordia University. I fell in love with biomedical applications and I got a job at McGill University, actually, uh, working for Chief uh, Dr. Sorry, Dr. Ed Harvey, Chief Orthopedic Surgeon at McGill University um, on the orthopedic side. And he was developing a product. So a sensor that goes in the body, reads sensor, uh, reads the pressure wirelessly. So surgeons know and intervene. And uh, I was one of the first, you know, engineers on the team, um, you know, working on, on, on the prototype. So we had to go find, you know, a sensor on the market, find a radio on the market, do all our calculations to see what type of power management we're going to need, what type of power source. And uh, I was very naive at that time. Uh, I had just started engineering. I was like, we can use energy harvesting. Like, why are we using batteries? This is insanity. And then I do all the calculations with the golden standard for ultra low power communication. And we needed a battery pack that was about this big. So like the same size as this demo, essentially. And uh, there is a little sensor that would be inserted in your body. And on the outside of your body, this big battery pack would be stuck for 48 hours. So, you know, from 48 hours to seven days, you have this stuck onto you. And then once you're finished at the hospital, um, the entire device, including the battery, goes into hazardous waste. And that made me feel very sick to my stomach. And I started looking up, you know, the power consumption bottleneck in all IoT devices and the amount of batteries on all these wireless sensors and how they're completely discarded into waste um, after they're used. And I was like, this doesn't make sense. You know, I understand the fundamentals of energy harvesting. I understand communication. 
Um, but I, you know, I was kind of halted at the power range of, you know, throughput triangle that we're taught in engineering. Um, but I knew that there had to be a better way. I knew that there was room for innovation, room for improvement. So I started looking at all different types of, you know, establishments, academic literature, industrial literature, see what was out there, see how we can do better. And I actually met this um, German investor called Helge Sietzen at the McGill X1 Accelerator. So I was lucky. I was in this summer boot camp, which is amazing. They brought over 100 entrepreneurs from all around the world to educate me about obviously being comfortable with failure because that's the ongoing theme in entrepreneurship. And Helge was one of these investors that came and I pitched to him this power consumption bottleneck and, you know, medical and plantables. And he was like, Charlotte, you know, this is a problem across the spectrum. Um, this is a solution that, you know, this is a problem that we can really find a good solution for. And uh, he introduced me to, so if you don't know, Launch is known for their uh, ability to license technologies from prolific universities around the world. They have an entire staff dedicated to this. Um, so I was really lucky to enter this organization and uh, really, you know, look at all the different types of technology that were working on this. And so there was some technology that came out of Stanford University. Instead of creating the signal at the wireless device, like Bluetooth did for my pressure sensor at the time, this technology actually leverages the existing infrastructure and piggybacks on top of it, uh, which is passive backscatter. So that kind of defeated the laws of physics that were in my head about power, range, and throughput. I'm like, this is incredible. So not only are we piggybacking off infrastructure that is powered, so you essentially, you know, you, you're beaming power towards these sensors so they don't need batteries. Well, in this technology, you're using existing infrastructure like Wi-Fi. And I was like, wow, because gateways are definitely a massive bottleneck um, for IoT to proliferate to the numbers that it, it's been saying in, in market research for, for decades now. So when I saw this technology from Stanford, I'm like, that's the solution. That's what's going to fix this. And, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of other companies that were working on Backscatter, but I really loved this type of technology from Stanford that utilized the existing infrastructure that didn't require gateways. And so uh, essentially, you know, that, that's when Hilo was born. So we ended up getting three exclusive patents, uh, licenses for patents from Stanford University. Halgate put in $400,000 in convertible note at Tenelaunch. You know, and we, we ended up growing the team, growing out the different products. Um, we actually raised 3.7 million USD 10 days before the pandemic was declared. So that was a journey in itself. Uh, you know, before that, we ended up doing a lot of different type of competitions, a lot of, you know, uh, applications to non-dilutive funding to get some cash in the bank. We ended up winning the um, Open Innovation Award at Bell Labs, Nokia Bell Labs, which was huge. We actually were able to convince our first board member to come on um, as an advisor, uh, Sam Haidari. So Sam sold Contena to Onsemi a few years back. He's a leader in the Wi-Fi space. So having him come on board to be our first technical advisor was massive. So after that, we closed our round of 3.7 million USD. Uh, you know, the, the the COVID project was what you see over here. So we were able to do that, you know, ship it off to our, our partners um, right before Christmas last year. And then we also did a deep, deep uh, application and diligence with Sustainable Development Technology of Canada. Uh, we were granted $3 million of non-dilutive funding to focus on uh, these type of projects. So that was really wonderful. And uh, since then, we've also raised another round, about $5 million, uh, as another seed extension round. And we've just been, we've been going forward, you know, just, just trying to miniaturize our product, you know, uh, get, get the lifetime that we need, work on requirements with our customers, and I think the, the really the, the biggest end goal is to get this out there, right? And, and have this working in a, in, a, in a real life environment. 
And what can you say about the, the, the partners, customers that you're, you're working with? So I can say that they're uh, mostly in the building automation space. Uh, they're in the Wi-Fi equipment makers. They're in the chipset makers and the sensor uh, end users. So what's really beautiful and challenging about this technology is that it's an ecosystem play. We're helping all members of the ecosystem enable this type of battery-free operation. That also comes with a challenge because it means that you have to be handshaking nicely with everyone, um, which I think our team is is really capable of doing. And I, I think the the proof is in the pudding. And I, and I think we're we're on our way there, which is really really exciting. Yeah, I, I'm. Uh, I love this conversation. Um, I'm thinking we've covered a lot. Is there anything else that you want to say before we wrap it? Uh, I, I think that we we definitely covered, you know, the majority of it. And I think I just want to reiterate, you know, how wonderful it is to 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 meet with you, Steve, and to continue working. And I know that in the 802.11 amp, we have Amakai and Vetus working, you know, side by side to to get this technology out there. And I think that, you know, we mentioned a little bit about active transmit prior in our in our prep. And that's something that's really interesting also. So active transmit is, you know, a, a different version of backscatter where you don't necessarily need, um, you know, the the full um, uh, features to help get that ultra long coverage that we were discussing, 802.11 and, um, yeah. you know, active transmit is potential to, to get a stepping stone to get to backscatter. So backscatter really works well in high density uh, environments, high density sensor, high density access point environments. Um, but on a stepping stone to, get to getting there, active transmit may be a really great solution um, to showcase the importance of having these sensors out there, you know, low, ultra low power communication for active transmit. And I think that's really interesting topic that I think is going to be flourishing over the next years alongside backscatter. Yeah. And in case people are wondering, I was wondering whether to mention this but uh, so the Williard's approach is is active we um uh we uh uh actually i remember when i joined the company i joined him with the expectation that we were going to be using backscatter and then we uh basically did a little technical uh, pivot and so all of our chips have been active which basically means you can potentially take a weaker signal in accumulated over time and uh, then send a, a stronger signal out. Um, what uh, I think you've got a great video on your website that shows, illustrates backscatter with the, the concept of uh, signaling with a mirror where you take like a very bright signal like the sun and you reflect it back and the signal's uh, um, weaker, but you've remodulated it to uh, go in the right direction. Um, Probably haven't done your video justice, but I, I recommend that uh, uh, people uh, go to uh, your website, website, which is hailia.io, just in case people are, are, are wondering. So, Charlotte, we've got to the part of the show where you um, share three songs that have meaning to you. What was your choice? It was a really hard question, Steve. I think it was the hardest prep that I had for this podcast because, you know, narrowing it down to three songs, that's hard. Um, so I think that you wanted me to relate them to times in my life. So I guess my first favorite song was A Dream On by Aerosmith. And I used oh. to listen to that song every single day coming home from school, you know, just thinking of what life is going to be like when I wasn't trapped <laughs> in the nine to five school system. Just for the second one. But what, so where did you go to school? I went to school in Villa Maria, 
in Montreal downtown, so not far actually from our, our office right now. Oh, okay. Well, that sounds really nice. Yeah, it was really nice. It was actually an all-girls Catholic school, and being raised as an atheist, it was it was definitely an interesting experience, <laughs> but an amazing okay. school with amazing uh, physics pro- programs and science programs. I was really lucky to have that type of exposure early on. Oh, right. Very good. Okay. So that's song one. And uh, so song two is uh, Freebird by Leonard Skinner. So that was definitely a a favorite uh, for me, maybe a little bit growing up past high school, you know, understanding what the world was about and and really being able to connect with my passions and, you know, being able to to really focus on on what I love to do. And, you know, I guess that 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 was definitely physics and science for me. All right. That's uh, that was definitely something that was played a lot when I was in college. So um, it's interesting that some good songs persist because I'm thinking that when you went to college and when I went to college, it's slightly different eras. But uh, uh, it's a great song. Definitely, but you had great music. I mean, we have good music too. Uh, but I definitely yeah. like classic rock. Yeah, indeed. Very good. And so, what's number three? Number three is uh, Here Comes the Sun by The Beatles. And I think that really relates to my entrepreneurial journey because, as I'm sure you know, Steve, uh, you know, things things can get dark and cloudy sometimes. So always knowing that, you know, the sun rises the next day and always yeah. knowing that you can start fresh and new has been a, a really good perspective for me. Well, Charlotte, um, it's been a real pleasure. Uh, I, I know that we're going to stay in touch and uh, um, uh, it's great to hear that our um, uh, members of our team are working uh, well together in the uh, ambient IoT standards area. I really admire what you've done and congratulate you. And um, um, I look forward to seeing you in person the, the next time our, our paths cross. Thank you so much, Steve. It's been a pleasure. So that was our conversation with, with Charlotte. Uh, amazing individual and uh, we need more people like that I think out there I do recommend that you check out their website and all that remains is to thank you for staying to the end uh, to thank Aaron Hammock for editing the episode and uh, stay safe be happy see you next time